Keep your hands and head inside the vehicle at all times. Buckle your seatbelts, check your mirrors, sit on back and relax. It's lights out and away we go for the Tall and Short of It podcast. You are ready. Alright, I'm just pulling up my, pulling up the Leadpedia page here. to have picking bands up because this was this was super weak everybody played three correct correct mundo yeah so many zeri bands just un uter band in there that's so fucking nuts wait who uh, uh, uh clg oh fuck so it's multiple times then CLG got banned, well, first round by CLG against Immortals, and then later on by Immortals versus FlyQuest. Oh, and then it was played Fly- in Cloud9 Fly game. Yeah, and in Golden Guardians EG. Interesting. Interesting. Man, that sticks out like a sore thumb. <laughs> it does. That's interesting, though. All right. All right, so. Uh, I'm looking for oh, hold on. Let me do my thing where I make it so that they don't show up. Okay, should be good. Now recording. Hey, hey, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another Tall and Short of It podcast. I'm your host, Justin. And I'm Aaron. Welcome back, everyone. Um, Good episode today for you. We've got some uh, CSGO, Formula One, League of Legends, Magic the Gathering. We're going to be hitting everything uh, along the way and in between. Justin, good to see you. How are you? How are you feeling? Uh, that sounded so robotic, almost as though you don't care. Good to see you too, man. I'm, do- I'm doing pretty well. Now we do. Uh, Brutal. We've got a lot to talk about this week. Um, if uh, Well, here, let me say this first. Because every week we say comment. Every week we say reach out on Twitter. And I know some of you fuckers, right? We talk about the flavor of the week. We talk about the rose, thorn, and seed. Reach out on Spotify. You can you can put comments on the YouTube. Tell us what your flavor of the week is, because um, then we may get some good recs. Then we can talk about your thing, and then you can feel you know like you're a part of the show. So that's just something that I've been thinking about over the week. But uh, yeah, just you know wanted to lay that out at the top of the show. Good to see you, Aaron. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, it was uh, I'll start us off with my rose thorn and seed, but. Um, to, to start off for my rose, it's, uh, mostly about this, this past week. Um, but going to, uh, Nashville for Colleen's cousin's wedding was, um, a really fun trip and everything. So that is my, my rose. Um, it was, uh, it was a really cool city. Like it was, we got there around 9am, um, it started off pretty weird. We flew. We got to the airport around like 4 a.m. to fly out, get into Nashville. Um, our first Lyft driver just like cancels on us. Like they dropped someone off at the airport, had picked up our ride, and then they just like dipped out. 
And we're like, Mm so, no. But because of that, we ended up getting um, this Lyft driver, Joni. So she probably will never hear this, but Joni is dope. She is one of the original 20 Lyft drivers when they first uh, started the company and everything. She picked it up. She's had, uh, she said she had done over 23,000 Lyft trips um, and had driven millions of miles for Lyft. She had a picture of her ringing the bell at NASDAQ uh, when, oh, Lyft, cool. when Lyft went public. She got to ring the bell. Um, nice. And with all those trips, perfect five star rating. Her car was immaculate. Like, it, it was really. Uh, a good start and then she whips out a three page like stapled together thing of uh of recommendations for food and places to check out in nashville um and just was like here take this with you i have them all broken down by price what kind of food they are or like what the different places are she had it broken down into location with a map that had all of the different areas of Nashville labeled with numbers. Wow. Like, this lady was killing it. Um, so I just had to, to shout out Joni. But uh, just throughout... Oh, go ahead. Can you, can you tip on Lyft? Like, did you... I did. Like, I threw her... send her the blowjob level <laughs> of, of tips? Because that sounds like the... Like the the vip of lyft service well i don't i don't normally tip like tip on ride apps and everything but i did throw her the 20 percent on it just because i'm like hey i really appreciated her going above and beyond um and to the point she even gave me her like business card from before lyft was a thing that she used to drive people to the airport occasionally um that she was like Hey, where the wedding is at, where we we ended up staying on Saturday for the wedding is about 40 minutes outside Nashville. She's like, you're going to have a tough time getting Uber or Lyft over there. Here's my card. If you run into a snag getting back to the airport, just text me. And if I'm available, I'll come scoop you up. We can fucking, you can pay me on Venmo. Like she was, it, it was one of like the well no it was easily the best like lyft uber driver that i've ever met in my life um so it was that's gonna be like a a part of the trip that just kind of sticks even though it was just like the start of it um and also well i think you more than anybody should know like when you're shown really really personal or what feels very personal um uh hospitality that is like it's like a warm shower or a hot towel man it's just like the best feeling ever oh yeah Um, so yeah i can i can definitely appreciate that shout out to uh shout out to the og lift driver that is so cool yo and that wait so so she gave you like her personal contact and was like hey if you need something off the books I gotcha. Yeah, and so like that's crazy. Dude. We uh we got in like went to breakfast and all. Um, I shot her a text and I was like, hey, thank you again so much for all the recommendations, like all this stuff for 
for Nashville. We really appreciate it, and I'll absolutely like let you know what's going on. She checked in with me twice over the weekend about like how if things were like good for our our ride to the airport and all, and like. Wow. At the end of the day, we were able to work out our ride to the airport on Sunday morning. Um, but she even checked in that morning, like, and was like, "Hey, did were you guys able to like get it set up?" And we're like, "Yeah, we're we're good." Hell yeah, that's so cool. So, so yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, I did have one question that I posted in uh, in our Discord pre pre episode that I was curious. I wanted to hear your thoughts about it because I think I have okay. a, a kind of weird take. So, um, we go to Colleen's cousin's wedding. Um, her that side of her family is uh, like evangelical Christian, um, very similar to like my upbringing and everything that I was um, like grew up in, like the same type of songs on Sundays, yada, yada, yada. Um, so we're there during the ceremony and they have like a worship song that they wanted to like have everyone sing along with and everything for the, uh, for the ceremony. It was really nice, like little song. They had it printed on the, the bulletin. Um, and so I just like, jumped in and sang along and like i picked up the tune and just kind of went with it because there's like a very generic um formula for those kinds of songs that like yeah it's very easy to to pick up like the goal is for mm-hmm. like everyone to be able to sing along so i picked up on it easily colleen didn't really sing along which like that was like no biggie there were plenty of other people that weren't Last either <laughs> No, there are plenty of other people that weren't singing along either. But my take is, because part of, like, talking afterwards, um, Colleen was like, I didn't really feel comfortable singing along to it. And I was like, okay, that's fair. Like, it, if, because if it's not, like, a religion you prescribe to or, like, whatever, um, singing along to the song doesn't, I mean it doesn't quite mesh or whatever but like in my in my brain the way i looked at it was i'm like i sing along to plenty of other songs in my car that like i don't have personal experience or i can't like relate like when i'm singing along to to kendrick in the car and everything like i that doesn't mean that i've like lived his life or like that i'm (laughs) like prescribing my when i'm singing along to good kid mad city that doesn't mean that i'm like prescribing myself to be like out there uh robbing robbing houses and and like (laughs) driving around getting into drive-bys with my boys like that's not uh that's not that's not my lifestyle um well so i kind of like look at it the same way in that aspect that's like i don't have to necessarily like believe this to sing along and like be a part of this for for their like wedding maybe it's not like okay i'll say this when i'm at a when i'm at a meal that isn't like mine Mm. like at another family or a friend's or like a holiday or whatever like when when the moment to say grace comes i don't 
put my head down. I don't like I don't pretend, right? Okay. So maybe, and I don't want to like you know uh, put put ideas in 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 you know I I, I don't want to say what she said, but maybe it's not about like not believing in it, but it's kind of like this this isn't for me really like yes maybe the better comparison is in like you singing along with kendrick even not having had those experiences maybe the better comparison would be like even though i know every song to uh katy perry's tiger i'm 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 not gonna i'm not gonna sing it even though even though um figuring out the lyrics to or the cadence to like michael jackson's thriller or something you know i'm still not going to sing it even even if the whole the the whole room is like okay it's, it's not for me it's not my thing that's fair so but i think it is your upbringing that leads you to be like way more comfortable in just joining in even if it's not a part of your everyday uh everyday routine yeah I would likely be in her position as well. Like, even if I could pick it up, I'd just like, okay, this this moment's not for me. I gotcha. But I will say my original my original take, uh, I'm actually glad I tempered my, you know, my whatever a little bit because if you think about it, it's reasonable at a wedding to have worship songs like that's where that's where it started you know it's yeah it's like a, yeah. a church bound thing so that that i really like overlooked when i originally like reacted to it um but from that perspective i totally understand like i i don't i don't actively participate in things that would make me feel disingenuous to do okay. um we're like yeah even if it's easy to pick up on the tune like maybe it feels like that's that's not who i am and just like to sing along to sing along it may be actually more insulting or more whatever i don't yeah, know yeah or like it's give off um, i don't want to no no that's lean believes or anything no that's a that's a good perspective on it too because i was thinking about and like for me like I, I mean, it makes sense that it was just like a very nonchalant, very easy thing for me to to do and just like hop in and all. Um, and like I, I and I will say that I did have a second where I was like, I was like, I don't really like this isn't really my thing anymore. But I'm like, ah, I, it's it's their wedding. Like right. they put it in here as part of the ceremony for like people to be able to participate. And I was like, yep why not? Like I'll join in, like participate, make it sound good so that they like try and give some enjoyment back to the bride and groom. Cause they clearly put it there for a reason. Um, and so like, that was, that was my take, but I, I appreciate your side. Cause I knew you would have a different like view of it than I would. Um, and I think that, yeah, like being, if you feel like you're being disingenuous, then you feel almost like it would be more disrespectful to the situation to to like participate. So that that totally makes sense to me in, in my mind. And there is a way to just like respectfully not, you know, participate, you know, kind of just be silent, head down, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Just like have a silent moment of reflection or whatever. But uh, but yeah, I think there's there's a. That is a beautiful moment, though. Like, thinking about it 
thinking about it without my own personal biases, I think there is power in group song. Like, hmm. I've heard many times artists say, like, the, the most powerful thing they've experienced in their life is holding the microphone out and having the fans sing the words back to them. Yeah. Like, that's, that's got to be something powerful. So I think, there's, I think there's something to it, religious or not. Yeah, well, and it's... That's, like, a very interesting part of it, too, is, like, I think that that view is the way that we should view, like, like singing as a group. I, I feel like into when I hear people talking about singing as a group or whatever, it's usually, like, in a negative, and it's usually referred to as, like, oh, are we going to get around the campfire and sing Kumbaya? It's, like, some, like, pissed-off person, like, uh, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, like... I feel like I hear that side of it a lot more than like the the really like beautiful side of of being in a group together singing and like having uh, sharing those uh, those words and that that like moment. Um, so uh, a little little aside, but I thought that that was um, that was definitely something I was I was curious to see like your opinion. Like I said, because I just. I knew that it would be different than mine, and so I was in, interested to hear your perspective. So, different uh, different views are always good. No, I I really like that question. That that does sound like that does sound like a really fun weekend. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, so so that is my rose. It was a, a longer one. Um, my okay. seed and thorn kind of tie together a bit. Um, nice. so for my seed, I decided after at, after some contemplation to go ahead and sign up for the next season of basketball. I said I'm gonna give it give it another season, and then That's what I was hoping for when we get through the end of that one. I may take a break at that point more just due to life things and all like getting ready to move and um, different other stuff going on in the summer to at least take a, a, a short respite from um, from playing. But I am really enjoying it and I was – I've thought about it like a lot through the week and I realized that – just stopping it's not and it's partially what you were saying about like if i stop then i'm not going to get the practice and playing and everything that i need to be able to like when i decide to play again like maybe be a little bit better like have like worked out some stuff um but also just like i am very very critical of myself uh Mm -hmm. a lot of times and so thinking that through and looking at things and all um, I kind of came to the conclusion that I'm like, okay, I need to like, as Colleen said, just like be kind to myself a little bit <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. uh, and just take things in stride a little bit more and see, see how it goes. Um, and so that brings me to my thorn, which was our game last night because I felt really good. Like, I got there early. I got a little bit of a warm-up in. I was feeling good. Things were, like, clicking. I 
it was a 10 o'clock game so i was like i got there early because i hate sitting around for like three hours when i get home from work and doing nothing because i just feel lethargic by the time i'm like there and trying to Mm -hmm. run around so we're playing and all and uh one of our teammates who he's uh he's the gentleman who likes to yell at everyone to do stuff that he's not doing Mm -hmm. um and so he he hurt his knee decently badly during the earlier on in the game and so like i it was brutal It, it looked not not good he just collapsed like i ran and got ice packs for him and like whatnot and so he was Mm -hmm. he was chilling but then he proceeded to keep like yelling at our our t like our teammates like from the bleachers uh, like with an ice pack on yeah yelling at people to do stuff he he got a little 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 back talk to him uh because he was just being like it, it was not beneficial and like okay. it's not that he doesn't sometimes have like good tidbits of of value that come out but it's that his mouth is just a non-stop conveyor belt of words and like 95% of them are not valuable and then it's just you running your mouth and annoying all of your teammates who are trying to focus on like actually playing. They're just hearing this like thing yapping from the side. Um, so he got a little bit of uh, of back talk uh, from the team and decided that he was going to f- uh, go ahead and and sub himself back into the game. Um, nice to prove everyone wrong or i don't know like i guess it was it was a pride over intelligence kind of moment where he just was like i don't care if like if i'm hurt and can barely move at all on the basketball court i'm just going to do this because they talk shit to me right and like not even recognize hey shit Maybe they're they're talking back and saying shit to me for a reason. Like maybe, maybe let me let me internalize this for a moment. Now he he decided to go back out on the court. He had um, we were we were winning when he subbed himself in. Um, we lost the game by about ten. I I subbed myself out and I just I just watched and let it happen. At this point in the season, like we didn't have. Uh, we didn't have a shot of like making the upper bracket to go to the actual championship. So I was like, okay. we're playing consolation bracket anyway. Right. So I was just like, I'm just going to sit back, let this happen. I watched the collapse just like it was our team was playing four versus five on the court. And he was he was just standing out there not doing anything. So I let him do that for about 10 minutes and I subbed him out because I, I do genuinely like not want him to fuck up his knee even worse. Because right. uh, like honestly it might be like an ACL or an MCL type thing. Like it was bad. I don't like he he could barely walk out on the basketball court. So it was it was pretty pretty rough but um, 
Yeah, that that was just my thorn because it was like a whole just like Jenga tower falling over kind of situation. Like you just you see it tipping, and like it, you're just waiting and waiting, and then it just all it all crashes and and everything. And it was like, but there there was a a part of me that was like, yeah, I want to win, but. To me, it just wasn't worth getting myself involved in the the whole situation and the the upset feelings. I'm like, I'm just like, I'll let it go. See see if anyone else like on the che- team chimes in is like, yo man, like you're hurting us. Like go take take a seat. Right. No one did. And for like ten minutes, I'm like, I'm like I subbed in. I'm like, hey show. I'm like. I'm subbing you out. Like you gotta take care of your knee. <laughs> and just left it at that. He dipped. Jeez, he man. dipped out without like saying anything to us after the game. It was it was not a not a fun scenario. So uh, the other uh, I guess part of my thorn is like we still have two games left. So um, I'm not looking forward to to potential awkwardness. I don't handle those kinds of like. You can cut the tension with a knife situations very well, so we'll see how it goes. But uh, but yeah, that is my my rose thorn and seed for this week. Interesting. That um, well, what is very different about your telling of that is that um, you seem to have a like disconnected you know view of it where you're just like i'm just gonna let this happen he could like he can hurt himself um i i think that's i think that's huge yeah like i tried to support like i when he first hurt himself i booked it to the desk in the in the complex to get some ice packs i got them for him and everything i checked in on him at halftime because it happened just like five minutes before the end of the first half so Mm -hmm. i went over and checked in i'm like hey rec league basketball isn't worth fucking up your knee even worse like just chill out ice Mm -hmm. it take the ice off put the ice back on um and so i i did my part to try and like help him give him give him the right advice i'm like i've hurt myself in this league i've hurt myself plenty uh, like dozens of times before this in in previous uh sports and everything like Mm -hmm. i'm like this is not worth like you not being able to walk at work, being on crutches potentially, like whatever, is just not worth the rec league basketball game and right. your pride for for fifteen minutes of of glory. If well, if you can even call glory, it that, dude. like yeah, yeah, it's just sad. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, like I kind of I kind of had to disconnect myself from it because I just had to be like I've done all I can, and I'm. Uh, like, I wanted to win, of course. Until I subbed out and he subbed in, we were winning. Mm-hmm. So I, like, I, I can't be you too take hard. That as a dub, yeah. you know, it, it's a team down. yeah. So it's a it's a um, what do they call it? Uh, not a metaphorical victory. It's a dub. Uh, I don't know, a personal victory? Uh, yeah, it's not the word I'm looking for, but nonetheless, uh, how about yourself? How was your week? What's been going on? 
let's get into it. So, because I, yeah, all right, so let's get into it. So, I'll start with my Rose. I was playing, uh, I was playing a game called Hunt Showdown the other day, and it's like a, uh, it's like a PUBG kind of game, um, except it's PvP ve so there's other players on the server there like there's other players on the map but there's also like zombies and you're working towards getting to like a boss monster that you kill and then you get the bounty and extract you're like you're like old western gunslingers hunting these like creature bounties um i've been getting into it a little bit with a friend of the show buddha spoon um and i was playing solo trying to get some trying to get some chops in the game because it's it's pretty difficult um so i was playing solo went one round got taken out really quick but the next game that i played i had i had a goal in mind i had been watching some streams over the weekend they were doing drops on twitch so i was watching some of the better players getting a sense of how to play and there was a bunch of stuff that i like really learned and like applied in that uh in the in the second game and I made it, I got all three of the clues, I found the boss monster, I killed the boss monster, I, I banished, which is like a long standing period of the boss monster dead and basically just like channeling until you're able to like pick up the bounty token and run away. It basically gives the other hunters a chance to like converge on your position and like you Does know, decide it- if do are they alerted of what yeah, you yeah, okay yeah. so it's not just like uh they still have to find the clues and track you no, down they, it's like shown exactly where you are and then once you have the bounty they can see you represented as like a little lightning bolt on the map so when you have the bounty your exact location is or well, your approximate location is, is being yeah yeah so i did the banish picked up the bounty and motored towards an extract and like i was on edge all the way up until i picked up the bounty and then it like really turned on like i could i could literally feel my heart like it started to feel like a like a bass concert right I, yeah thump, dude <laughs> and i was i'm like so focused on just getting to the exit when you're holding a bounty, you have a power called Dark Sight, and it reveals other hunters as like orange. So as I'm coming up to the extract, I go into Dark Sight, and I see a hunter literally like back and forthing, like behind like what would have been some kind of cover. And I was like, oh my god. So like I'm gonna have to fight this guy to get out with the bounty. I've made it this far, right? My heart is going. Thunk 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 thunk. And so instead of like engaging, I assumed that he didn't know where I was. So I just played it slow. I crept up to the extract and we were literally like on either side of this cart as it's just like 29, 28, 27. You gotta, you gotta wait at the extract for 30 seconds before you like you're hoisted and you're out safe and you win. Dude. How long does that uh, dark site last? You have five seconds of dark sight. So you, so you like click it on, get a sense, and then and then you're off. And then you only have four seconds left, right? So it's okay. like very limited. And 
15 seconds, 14 seconds, and I'm just like shifting back and forth behind these boxes, and and he just stayed on the other side, and boom, I got extracted, and I pushed back from the desk. I was like, woo! Like, it was the most intense experience that I've had recently, and it was so much fun. Um, those are... Those are always great experiences, like, when you win. Oh, like, because yeah. I've the only thing I can compare that to that I like recently is uh, in Call of Duty playing Warzone with the with our, our team. And when you get into like a 1v1 at the end or you're the last person left on your team and there's only a few people left mm-hmm. and you're just like. Uh, for me personally i get that my heart's racing i'm like jittery like i feel i do not feel relaxed like i definitely mess up more because of it because i'm nervous being that last one but uh but like the times that you can like hold it together and pull it off are oh it's it's sick that's awesome definitely definitely worth the stress yeah so that was insanely fun well is this uh, a is this a free game or is this uh like a new release that came out recently it, it looks like i'm i pulled it up it's about it, four years old but it's okay in continual development like they just got updated you know recently it, it looks like oh the other thing i was yeah are there voice comms in it um i don't know if it has i don't know if it has an in like an in-game voice comms but you can you can play multiplayer gotcha i was gonna ask because it reminds me looking at it of tarkov a little bit from what i've seen but tarkov has the proximity chat and everything with it Mm -hmm. so like that's automatically uh kind of in the game and everything so um but no that that First off, the game looks sweet. Second off, congrats on the dub. That's sick. Thank you. So, but yeah, so that was that was my rose, and that felt like that felt like one of those sessions where it was like, oh fuck, so I so I can do this. It was like very confidence building. Nice. Um, so that was cool. Uh, my thorn is an interesting one. Um, obviously, if you're watching on the YouTube, if you've been tracking the haircuts, I uh, went from having a lot of hair to not a lot of hair all at once. And it's because I was having some, like, oiling and, um, like, dandruff issues. Mm. And I think it's because of, like, always having a head covering on. It wasn't able to, like, breathe or do whatever it has to do. Because I'll tell you, for a long time, I wouldn't use shampoo at, like, large intervals. Because my hair was natural. Like, it, it stayed naturally just, like, not oily but after i had it in the bun and long and whatever and the winter it got kind of dry and whatever um so i was having some dandruff i shaved it all off because i couldn't i couldn't solve the dandruff with shampoo so Mm. what i did i shaved it all off and i've been using my body wash which has moisturizers in it Mm. i've been fucking blah 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 on the top of the head and my dandruff has quite receded i would say and so you know i'm i'm happy and comfortable to uh continue growing out my hair because now now i'm not going to be fucking making it snow on on my dinner nice well i i will uh well for anyone who's having issues with that um there's a product called melaleuca it's a Mm. it's a 
shampoo, um, but it is very good for dry scalp and things like that. Um, that's something that my dad has like used for years and years and years. Um, I've like used it here and there. It's not something that I typically have an issue with, fortunately, but uh, I know from his experience and all that it's something that works really well. Um, so if you are looking for a shampoo that can do a similar moisturizing effect and all, um, definitely something to, to worthwhile to check out. Um, gotcha. cause that's like a frustrating, I think issue. Cause there's not an easy solution. You can't just take like lotion and just like lotion into your, like right. lather it in your head. It's such a weird, um, thing to try and kind of work out and resolve. So. Yeah, it was like uh, it was it was a little bit embarrassing as well because I mean, there's a there's a a sense in which the Head and Shoulders commercials make it feel like you've like committed a sin by having dandruff. Um, so I wanted to get rid of it as fast as possible. But yeah, it seems so. Yeah, to be fuck you, Head slide. and Shoulders. <laughs> well, not that. It's no. Like, hey, come on, man. we're all humans here. Yeah. But uh, my seed really quick, uh, another shout out to Buddha Spoon. I have asked for his help to um, work on the stat tracking Excel sheet that I had for the Commander 9 League. Obviously, once we had a, had a player leave back in 2021, uh, we kind of we stopped doing the like stat tracking for particular decks. We just were enjoying Commander. But um, we we talked about some different solutions for tracking and so i enlisted uh buddha's help to see if we can see if we can make that a reality and i'm quite excited i was doing some excel learning my myself to get a sense of some functions and how to set up pages and whatever um so i'm really excited to be able to get some data and like really see like what's going on with the play group and see if there's any like cool things that we can glean nice that's uh like and I know I've talked about it before because I love Excel because it mm-hmm. like when you do some, I think I like Excel because once you figure those things out and you do something really cool with it, that's like not a normal or typical easy use of like, oh, I just want to make a chart that looks nice for whatever. Like when right. you're actually doing like the data compiling and everything and you get it to work and it does what you want it to do. I, I feel so like accomplished uh with it so so that's um that's exciting i'm looking forward to also just seeing what stats uh and different stuff you come through with um because you can of course like track like which players have played so like you can do it by what decks are being played like what players are in the group like you can say brett's there for three games this week but next week he can't make it for any but you're there for all six then like he's just you could have him be like oh he got one win out of his three games and i got one two wins whatever out of my six and so like our win rate is the same just different sample size like you Mm -hmm. there are fun fun things you can uh you can look at and kind of pick up on yeah there's a a drop down menu feature and i think i want to use that because it, it, it's basically just like you know you learn about a function and you just like think of a way that you can use it or incorporate it 
that that drop down menu i think it'd be fun to where you could just like select any of our names and have like three little three little sections of like the most played deck their win rate and like you know some other some other dumb little stats and you could go through just each player very quickly and just like get a, a small little story i think that'd be neat oh 100 um, percent. you could like set it up so you have like player and then this next column is like the deck they played and then the next player and the deck they play and like do that kind of thing and then oh, you'd yeah. be able to like uh there's there's a lot you could do with it which is um Infinite which is options. cool absolutely mm-hmm. that's awesome bmm so that's my rose thorn and seed do you want to uh move on to some formula one talk about the uh talk about the what would you say the pre pre preseason testing so before we get to that i did want to talk about some other racing um and so i was watching the first indycar race of the weekend uh over the weekend so sunday when i was flying back uh southwest airlines let me watch live tv in the air and while i was up there uh the indycar race was going on and all so first off um roman grosjean had a really really solid weekend he uh was p1 in their first practice for the weekend um with his time uh looked really solid um but then in i believe it was their their last practice session i don't know if it's fp3 or or how many they have um he ended up like slamming into the back of another driver's car and so I had the same reaction as uh, as Will Buxton actually did to it, which made me feel slightly good about myself with my racing knowledge because it was very contrary to a lot of the immediate reactions that I was seeing in to the reply to the motorsport.com tweet that showed the, the incident and all. And, yeah. and first off, the driver that Grosjean ran into was like, I don't know what he was thinking. That was reckless. This is practice, like that kind of thing. Um, And a lot of the comments were like, Grosjean crashing in F1, now crashing in IndyCar, like big change and shit like that. And it bothered me a lot because Grosjean was on a flying lap. He's going all out and like five cars bunched up going like, 10 miles an hour like lagging along right at the end of the lap in a corner to go like start their flying laps and get their little like jump start so Mm. in my opinion could Grosjean have seen it and pulled out of the lap maybe when you're going like 160 miles an hour or whatever it is though like your spotters your team your pit pit team should be like abort lap abort fast lap you are like we've heard it on team radios in f1 where people have to abort their their laps because of different situations or yellow flag on turn seven or whatever like that's not an uncommon thing that something would be but like my frustration is like there's like five cars that are all bunched together going like practically at a standstill and like he's getting blasted for he's fucking flying around the track as fast as he can to try and put in a good like hot lap 
and mm-hmm. and he he gets some ridicule. So that was that was just my my like take on that because I felt like he kind of got unfairly hit just because everyone's like and like I saw stuff in the comments from oh Grosjean's crashing again to oh the only reason people like this guy is because he had a near-death experience I'm like I'm like no he's a good driver and he proved it on Sunday finishing p5 um behind uh, his teammate, who was last year's champion, uh, along with three of the other top drivers from last season in IndyCar, so he started out very strong. Um, it was a it was a cool race to watch. But the other interesting aspect that I didn't realize about IndyCar, and I don't know if this is new or how long this has been around, but IndyCar, you get. I believe it's 150 seconds of your uh, push to pass, which is like kind of a DRS type thing uh, where it, it kicks the engine gears up into into high and you use a little extra fuel. But yeah, so it's um, but you have a limited amount. So it was interesting watching like, oh, like this guy burned 30 seconds of his his push to pass like early on in the race, he only has a hundred and whatever seconds left and all. And so kind of watching that and waiting and watching it tick down to the end where you're looking at a pretty, pretty tight race and everything. And, Oh, who has a little bit more juice in that? And who's, who's going to be able to make it on the fuel that they have to the end of the race. Um, and different things like that. It was a different, it was very cool, but it it was like a nice contrast to to the F one and like what I was used to. I felt like mm-hmm. I was picking up on a lot of things um, because of my knowledge of F one, um, and like being able to easily see the differences between like the racing styles. I thought it was pretty pretty cool to watch. Yeah, let me let me go back to the Grosjean thing because I have some thoughts. The mm. The crashing in F1 and now crashing in IndyCar, I'm not sure he's the right driver if that would be, like, the narrative you want to go with. Like, if, let's say, Mazepin goes over to another formula or another series and then crashes, you you might be able to say that, right? Where, okay, he is consistently not doing well, in these vehicles but if if we look at Grosjean if I remember correctly that was one instance of a of a of a tough of a, he, of a tough crash he did have an a few different um crashes while he was on Haas that took him out of races and that mm. like and races that he was performing pretty well in and everything okay. So he did have those moments. However, he was driving a Haas. Like when, and I, I mean, I know that that sounds pretty, pretty uh, tough towards Haas's team, but they, when he was driving the Lotus car before Haas took that spot, he was getting podiums. He was finishing high. Like yeah, like he he had a couple crashes in the Lotus too. Like at 
everyone crashes at some point. Verstappen had a couple crashes. Right. Lewis had a couple crashes this right. past year. Like that's that's, that's just like something kind of the when point that I was trying to get to. Yeah, and it, like that's something that happens. Did Grosjean have a couple more than other people? Probably, but nothing like outrageous or like he's not some crazy outlier where it's like everyone else had four crashes and Grosjean had 15. Like it's right. it's not like that. And also looking at him in the Haas and then seeing Schumacher and Mazepin drive it the next year because it was essentially the same car. Mm-hmm. You could see that that car was not easy to handle like other cars and everything too. And so, yeah, Grosjean has more experience um, and everything. He also crashed less than Mazepin or spun less than Mazepin. So right. like – I think it, I agree. It was like a weird, it's like a a meme that has kind of just like stuck that I'm just like, it doesn't quite fit, but it fits their narrative. So like meme away, I guess, but. Hmm. Yeah, that's, um, that's pretty unfortunate. Cause yeah, going, going P5 on Sunday after, after something like that, it's, that's got to be more indicative of the moment the moment in time rather than like is is he a bad driver overall and should he be here and blah 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 like, yeah it was a I weird you have to bring it that yeah it was a weird thing because i was like i was i looked at the clip and i'm like oh shit like yeah he went kind of hard into the back of this guy but like he was on a flying lap. Like, I don't... Anyone on a flying lap whom... Yeah. And, like... That's that's a tough spot. So, it was... uh, But, very fun watching IndyCar. I'm hoping to to get a little bit of watching that in throughout the F1 season as well, here and there. Maybe on... uh, If there's some races on some of the off weeks, I'll watch in on that, and we'll have a a little bit of stuff to chat about on the pod. But... um, but it was very cool, and I uh, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, but moving into F1, I know that you had some notes about Andretti and their uh, joining F1. I also was looking at that um, and the potential for, for that to happen and everything. But what are your, your thoughts? What were you seeing about that? Because it seemed like there was a, a mixed reception on uh, – the potential of him joining F1. Well, the the note that I have about Andretti is not the like them moving in. I don't know. I don't know if like talking about rumor mill stuff is useful. My note about Andretti is that he's he's the one who coined the phrase porpoising. That's all. What is porpoising? What? Are you serious? Yeah, I'm actually. Right no, now? no, I'm not. Legitimately, what is porpoising? Oh, oh that makes me so happy. All right, so <laughs> if we were wa- if so this weekend or the 23rd to the 25th, we had the running in Bahrain. One of the 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 big takeaways from the weekend is the ground effect causing stability issues for the suspension so what ends up happening is these teams are running their car too close to the ground but these new floorboards are all about ground effect drawing air under the 
under the car to use that as like a ground seal and basically suck the car to the floor mm. there, thereby creating the downforce like going oh. fast enough that it almost like vacuums it downward uh-huh. okay yeah, yeah, gotcha yeah. so the last time the last time we had these kinds of setups in formula one was somewhere around 40 years ago and one of the main issues is there is a a balance that the engineers and the aero team has to strike between ride height and also like downforce levels so Hmm. if you bring it too low that downforce is it sucks the base of the car down towards the floor and then so where the diffusers used to be the back Mm -hmm. end of the car that hits hits the floor thereby sealing off where the ground was exiting so the suspension takes it takes hold again brings the car brings the vehicle back up to normal ride height so it's like ages again you got it oh flipping up and down and interestingly enough and here's where here's where it's not so new so if you when you're playing listening to some of the broadcasts, some of the pundits talking, they we love throwing out this word. It was such a buzzword during during this running. Mm. But it's an issue that other formulas have seen, other series have seen. Mm. Now, they got a quote from Ross Braun and they asked him about the porpoising issue and, you know, what's going on and he effectively said that the engineers that are in the in the paddocks now you know they're kind of young they're kind of new and we've like we've all dealt with this issue before there are solutions there are ways to get past it and he found it weird that that's the issue that they were having with the regulations he said i thought they would have seen it i thought they would have like they would have figured this out so I think that truly speaks to this new era of F1 that we're in where all of these teams are coming at the new regulations with totally different ideas. But you look at somebody who very much knows the technical side, i.e. Ross Braun, and he's saying, like, yeah, we saw this coming a mile away. Like, I, like it was surprising to them to see the cars porpoising. Because the way the regs would have been to, you know, someone who knows would have been, oh, yeah, these cars are going to be too low. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting thing. Um, and it'll be weird to see, like, how that works throughout the season because different tracks will create different potential for that as well. Um, mm-hmm. Just in terms of, like, elevation changes and uh, different hills, uh, banking, things like that. I'm sure those mm-hmm. all come into play pretty heavily in, in terms of set up week to week with how high and whatnot they're they're setting up these cars but i do find that odd uh similarly similarly to to ross braun because like you would think that teams going into especially going into a new era of f1 Mm -hmm. in my opinion it would be very sensical to hire a couple of consultants who are Mm -hmm. engineer chief engineers whatever for previous f1 teams at the time of rule changes in f1 whether it was 
hey, maybe you don't still have the guy that was the the head engineer for Mercedes when they switched to the turbo hybrid era, but like, hey, maybe let's let's have him be a consultant. Hey, let's look into who was the the guy in charge back in the night, like whatever. Because yeah. if you're able to to get these. Like, even if it's as simple as, like, uh, an hour-long phone call of, like, hey, what were some issues that you guys really, like, were going through when you switched to the new era because you were developing new parts and creating new Mm -hmm. whatever? Like, what were some things that you guys ran into and avoid history repeating themselves? I feel like a lot of these teams have those kinds of people on Mm -hmm. staff. So that's... That is weird because even though, yeah, like the engineer, the new engineers and the new like principals and everything are are typically younger and may not have been around in F one, been alive forty years ago when <laughs> when Andretti was uh, was racing, um, but there are plenty of people who have been around <laughs> for that long who are still around motorsport that would be i feel like an easy phone call so well here's the here's another interesting element that came out of the weekend and this may shed a little light on that so mercedes has been experimenting with new technology in their like sim and uh like training no not training but like their vehicle setup strategies so they've taken to using machine learning and ai to iterate a setup on the car and just run a like thousands of laps on this track in whatever and that was the first time that i was hearing those words associated with formula one yes we know about sim sims and you know the they can they can run they can run simulations without the driver but using ai and machine learning is very different than like running a simulation yeah so i find it fascinating that as we enter into as we enter into the new area of Formula One, we're hearing elements of the kinds of things that are pushing the boundaries of other industries and other areas that teams are now trying to figure out how they can apply that to their vehicles, how they can apply that to the the wind tunnel and get an edge on their competition. So I say that to say that maybe there's a degree where no matter what that individual could say, it's probably pretty fucking antiquated. Um, to some extent, but they're like, I, I mean, just even in this instance, like if you have a guy who was around F1 40 years ago and you're like, Hey, like what were some of the common issues? Like we're trying to avoid previous problems that have happened when you're trying to make cars go fast. Like, Mm -hmm they could be like, oh yeah, porpoising, or oh yeah, like we we couldn't, like weight distribution, or oh, like, because those things change, like clearly with this season of F1, like they're not, they're talking about like uh, 
this um, downforce and and the ground effect and everything. And there's like from from what I've seen, the cars. It's it's a change from the previous season where they're talking about oh like. Red Bull's got a higher rake on their car. Their tail ends lifted a bit more than than the Mercedes. It seems like I haven't heard as much of that kind of thing, talking about rake and all. It's more about, yeah, these other aspects of the car. I mean, like, I, that, I think that's why teams have had guys like Mercedes bring on Nicky Lauda. For a, a long time and everything, like, like, generation. yeah, Nikki Lauda, like, he's not going to be able to tell Lewis, like, oh yeah, I drove a an F one car in nineteen sixty. Like, here's how you drive it today. But mm-hmm. he can give perspective on a number of different things in terms of racing, in terms of perspective, in terms of like thought process, attitude, mental mental toughness, uh, and things like that. So like. You can get aspects and things like that without, like, from people with previous experience that, yeah, maybe, maybe, like, you are going to get a, well, not maybe, you're going to get a ton of good data from running simulations, using AI, using machine learning, things like that. Mm-hmm. But there's always something to, real life knowledge that sometimes those things just can't quite compute like AI and machine learning and things like that. Like, Hey, maybe that running a million laps on, on Monaco's track will find a better racing line with the new car than a previous racing line because of the downforce, because of like, whatever the speeds that they're going at that like maybe oh you break this turn a little sooner and you can cut it different like the, like ai and machine learning are going to continually continually look for the most optimal way to do something so it might end up finding a way that is outside the box for different aspects of driving than like a typical racing driver who's like oh i have to this is the racing line. This is my break point. This is what I have to do. Like you can find other ways to do it with that like repetition and, and thousands, millions of laps like with a, with a machine learning AI. But there's also that side of like practical knowledge and like real life situations that are not going to run like a simulation that you have to figure out. Like simulation's not going to be able to figure out how to drive when you get tapped on the side on lap one and you have uh, a tiny bit of the carbon fiber off your front wing is broken off and now all of a sudden your your like arrow is changed completely like all that machine learning and ai and thousands of laps in a pristine car just like they don't give you the same data as now what your driver is like dealing with. I'm not sure it's about how to race. I don't think that's like what they're using it for. It it very much sounded like they were using it for like 
engine setup and arrow and like if you put like these sticky uppy bits as opposed to these sticky uppy bits let's run a thousand laps of that and see what it does oh that cuts down blah blah i think it's i think it's a lot of getting the getting the um engineering and the aerodynamics and the the systems all working properly i would very much agree with you that having drivers in like like drivers in formula one cars is the best way to practice driving formula one i would definitely agree yeah but in in the 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 testing and the the data gathering phase yeah it's very useful to be able to run your engine turn to five ten thousand times on on all of the different tracks and then yeah. tune it up just once and then see what that does like that's all very useful that the that the teams can't oh yeah on track day in and day yeah out. so i think that's what it was okay that's what it was more used for um but either way any of this stuff no matter what it's used for it's all inc- it's incredibly exciting that we're talking about race car drivers and ai and machine learning and all of these stuff or all of these elements like all at once i i think that's fascinating but this conversation originally started with the porpoising issue yes that was just like the meme from the weekend and a lot of the conversation surrounded that that issue and what's going on and blah 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 but the short of it is that the the new F1 floors are the downforce generator, and the teams are going to have to come up with a variety of different solutions um, to combat the, the the pull down of the suspension. All incredibly interesting things. Definitely, um, yeah. and I I think that's uh, a very exciting part of this season, just because it's like we're we're figuring out what what issues and and like what challenges like teams are gonna have to overcome and everything um so there's going to be some interesting like i'm looking forward to the to f1 tech talks that they they have on there that uh Mm -hmm. that f1 puts out on youtube and and kind of seeing what discussions what interesting things they talk about um but other other f1 related things uh so I, I we don't have to get super into it. Do you have any thoughts on obviously the Ukraine, Russia, and no? We nope. gotta go into that. Cool. Just wanted to see if you had any thoughts. I I saw Vettel's. I respect Vettel and the driver association like bringing that up as a point. I think it's super reasonable. They did it for the the middle eastern countries for the the things that they have going on there yeah but i i have to say like that that's their prerogative you know yeah it it wasn't something i wanted to people trying to help other people yeah i didn't want to go super down that because that's not our thing and i don't want to get into all that that stuff but um but i know that the FIA obviously came out and they are, as of right now, they've canceled this year's Russian Grand Prix um, and everything. And so uh, that was part of the unfortunate F1 news for this this past week or so. Um, so I, I would be remiss not to at least mention that uh, as of right now, the Russian Grand Prix is canceled. Um, but we can definitely move forward 
looking into um, some other topics that we have going for this week. I do. That's that's actually a pretty interesting segue because I do have a small note about that. So I am Katowice started oh. on the 15th of February and Simple, the uh, in-game leader for Navi, had some very, I would say, touching words and described it in a way that I've often felt about esports where he he looked across the stage at his teammates and he said, you know, this person is from this place, this person is from that place, this person is from that place. And he says, we're all friends and blah, blah, blah. But what really hit home was Simple said, we're all humans first. So let's just have a great tournament and enjoy being here together. And I thought that was very powerful. Um, so that is what I think to be the beauty of competition, especially mm -hmm. competition that can be upheld in a way that is good for multiple multiple parties in multiple parts of the world. I think there's nothing better than a a multinational tournament where, you know, the Danish, the Russians, the the Europeans, the the whoever the fuck can come and play this game and be counted as equals on the stage. And I think Simple's words really kind of exemplified that and that's like really what I'm here for. Definitely. I think that's um, an awesome perspective to be able to have because I think that that is a very mature perspective and to be able to, to look at things um, from a 25,000 overhead view where you're like these people that are across the stage whatever their nationality haven't done anything wrong to me other than maybe get a nice op shot uh that that took me out in that last uh that last map like it's not um this is this is what they're doing for work yeah i'm sure most of them enjoy it i would hope so but at the same time, to be able to say, hey, like, these people on the other side of the stage, like, they're just here to game just like me and see who's better. Like, that's a that's a nice perspective to be able to have um, with everything going on in the world. So, well, I think it sets the tone beautifully for for uh, a, a, a tournament that is effectively like for these for these players and these teams, it's 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 and it's, it's, it's a war. It's a battle, mm -hmm. right? It's uh, they're they're fighting for something. Yeah. Um, so. And well, and I think I, I honestly just uh, as I think it makes it more impactful that for one, simple is like a, a huge prominent figure in the CS:GO community. Like he is, yeah. he is highly acclaimed, um, famous name. Um, him being from Ukraine also obviously his perspective on it uh, carries a lot of weight so yeah. I I also just appreciate it from him kind of coming out and saying that because there are a lot of ways that people could say things differently that would be a lot less like 
good for everyone. So I, I appreciate him being uh, uh, tactful and, and also sincere, it seemed, from because I did watch that, that clip as well um, and see the sincerity and in, in how he feels about everything to just be able to like go out and, and do what he does best and, and hit some heads. So looking heads that's pretty much what we're all here for but one of the one of the biggest notes about that i am katavitsa is live fans and mm. there were there were people in the in the stands they were cheering and it just like it makes it so much more like yeah the casters can be excited and yeah like it can come through in the way they're describing what's happening but there is nothing there is like you cannot you cannot create a moment more than like you know somebody getting a three-piece and the crowd just going insane behind them and this is what we had at i am katavitsa we don't got to talk about the whole tournament obviously there's millions of matches but the grand final was phase versus g2 it was a best of five and the 3-0 scoreline does not really tell the story of the matches like you really have to go and look at the round count for each of the boards because um, it was down to the wire multiple overtimes i'm pretty sure there were i'm pretty sure i went to three ot's in on map one five ot's in map two and then phase was able to wrap it up in regulation in map three on dust two but my god was was that like some quality uh, CSGO? It was a good final. Yeah, and I'll have to go back and watch that. I mostly had seen um, uh, the clips of Monacy, uh the, <laughs> yeah, G2's offer uh, leading up. I believe those were before the, the grand finals. Those were the semifinals to, to make it in. If I'm, mm-hmm. the, I think the clips that I saw, like the three piece, the 1v3, um, uh on i think it was like a site i forget what map it was but um just like going ham on people uh and so a 16 year old like that's exciting 16 year old kid playing csgo hitting some crazy shots um and even with uh with phase coming out on top like that was that was pretty cool um getting to see some of that so um i definitely will go back and watch this uh this iem because it will or well at least the grand finals because mm-hmm. i think that's uh it's fun csgo is a cool a cool game well i want to just just to give you a little bit of a storyline to pay attention to so for i'm pretty sure on phase the player rops was out and they had <clears throat> rain what, so Rain was on their main roster, and they had JKS subbing in. Mm. There was a point in the tournament where Rops was back, and it would have been JKS getting subbed out, but because of his performance, they kept Rain subbed out and just let them play with JKS because they were like they were having a little bit of synergy, right? So they brought Rops in and kept JKS. And if you and if you watch map two, it is JKS that gets the clutch kill to bring them to the five OTs that like they end up winning map two, then they have momentum and then they seal it up in 
in map three. Dude, this 1v1 that he pulls off is so insane. And it just, like, it is it is awesome to watch because before the, the series, they asked him, they were like, oh, like, how deep do you guys want to get with FaZe? And he's like, I just don't want to be the reason they drop out. And arguably, he was, like, a linchpin in them making it, not to the grand finals, but through the grand final as well. Well, so and Rops, like, all-star. Rops ended up putting up the top numbers in map one and three for oh, phase dude. two. He, he like, he, he, his map one, like, he popped off, like, a 1.45 KDA is the highest that you see in that entire three-game, uh, or three-map set, like, of anyone. That's... That's uh, pretty impressive. It was it was really fun. The casting the casting was really high level. And dude, just just watch the map. Watch the mini map and you will see the level of detail that they have on that mini map and it makes the fucking Halo thing seem like even more of a joke, honestly. As soon as um, you said mini map, I knew where that was yeah, going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, predictable complaints but dude yeah phase versus g2 grand final at i am katavitsa 2022 it was super fucking exciting that was nice. their first katavitsa for phase by yeah the way. not their first major but their first katavitsa and uh just uh, a tweet i saw so g2 esport their official twitter account tweeted out don't let g2 being in the iem katavitsa grand final distract you from the fact that carlos got backdoored by xpeke in the spodek arena back in 2013 That's to get funny. to get knocked out of iem katavitsa season seven um oh wow okay <laughs> and so just thinking about how how far back that is and everything but the fact that g2's official twitter account tweeted that out about their owner that's funny thinking that like i that clip and looking at carlos and his goddamn scarf like freaking out and pissed off afterwards that's like a that's a a memory (laughs) that always brings me a, a little chuckle so you gotta love you gotta love live on stage reactions from the players. It's good. Definitely. It's good stuff. Um, but now moving forward from from CS:GO into some other memes that I got to see about League of Legends. Lots of people memeing about Reggie's house. Reggie's house is in shambles. Justin, it is. It is in shambles. They're looking really good. At, well, just mostly the. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the Reggie Reddit post that he was no. like, "Oh, so there is this is turned under a rock." You gotta inform me. You're on Reddit, but I'm not. I haven't been on Reddit in forever. I haven't really either. But um, but I saw it on Twitter. So I guess. Not too long ago, Reggie uh, posted, I guess this was in the TSM subreddit or whatever. So, Reginald Bro, because of course he he says bro all the time, and that's his his Reddit username. Uh, He says, there's no fucking way I would ever let us end up like CLG. I would sell my house, car, and clothes, my everything to sign the best talent at that point. 
And then they lost to CLG in this super week. So Reggie's house is is better be up for sale pretty soon. Yeah, um, I want his fucking <laughs> I want his his fuck it bay life t-shirts. Yeah, we there were <laughs> he's got to sell some more merch or something because I, I mean, Double Lift was uh was going in on him about it. Monte Cristo uh, tweeted, Reggie spent years saying his goal was to win Worlds. TSM is now the last place team in the worst major region, thereby making them the absolute farthest from winning Worlds among teams who paid for a franchise slot. And, like, I mean, G2 Perks was like, hey, can I get a discount on that for my vacation house? Like, all of the... (laughs) Everyone's just go going in um and like honestly it's it is it's a big meme but i i am a little bit surprised that that tsm is like in the position they're in i feel i and i maybe it's just my um outside perspective of tsm whereas with cloud nine i feel like they put out a lot of content about what they're doing internal team things like Mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff like internal 1v1s and like whatever it is that you can kind of have some conjecture of what they're doing on a team level to like strengthen their players or like improve mindsets or whatever or like team bond and like make better connections whatever it is that's going to eventually hopefully come together for for better play in in game um with tsm i i don't see that same kind of content and so like i don't i can't tell is this like is this a rebuilding year? Is this like TSM being like, oh, like we think that we have some really good young talent. Let's give them the spring split and develop them. And then like for summer split, like I think they'll be in good form to compete in the LCS or like, is this just, uh, hey, let's see how these guys do. Go team. Like yeah, I, it I, feels it feels a lot like that. Like well, that's, if you look at last year's summer. That's what like, it feels like to me too. And it's like yeah. I I don't wanna think negative like Spica still seems to be playing pretty solidly. Hooney is Hooney's Hooney. Sure. And then there's these three young guys that I just don't know. Um well, uh, mostly uh, Kyoto, Shenyi, and Yursan, but uh, I mean, we know tactical too. And he's like, he's a decent ADK. It just, it's weird because I feel like when Cloud9, I feel like Cloud9 is one of the teams that has done the most of these like rebuilds and restructuring of their team in recent memory and like sure. bring it. And so I feel like I've always been able to see the the inside of the like pull back the curtain and kind of see what's going on a little bit more. Um, I feel like I don't get that with TSM. So I I honestly just don't know what's going on with their, their team and like what, what their snags are, or if there's any, any thing that change of, 
perspective on what they're looking to do, or I, I don't know. Well, fucking think about it, dude. They they lost their franchise quarterback, who was their star mid laner, pulled them out of many losing scenarios, and then they they wanted to they wanted to try and alleviate themselves from the burden of Bjergsen and like uh he can't be the only like reason we're like doing well right so they put him in the coach position they get power of evil a promising mid laner we 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 know his pedigree he's a he's a a good player right yeah. seems like a good stand in we get the mind of Bjergsen for the team and they did okay they you know it's fine but factor in also we know that the the type of team environment that reggie bro engenders is not one of like hey you can come with to me with anything we're you know we're we're a team i want to do the best for you blah 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 from from what we know about some behind the scenes stuff like it doesn't seem like a I don't want to use the word fun, but it doesn't seem like a healthy place to try and improve or offer constructive criticism. Well, and that's why it's weird to me because, like, I feel like if that is the environment that you are creating, yeah, why bring in a bunch of young players? Like... Well, he may have a bunch of yes men around him because all he does is like, I dude. Because like I, cause I, I young players, they don't like, and just from pure lack of experience, do not have the mental fortitude in most cases that right. a veteran player has. Like, I I think that you're better off almost like hiring on a bunch of hard headed old men that you're like ah like at least they're not going to crumble under under the pressure of right. this well, like very that's what's happening. yeah no I, it we just don't, seems like there's but... a lot of elements compounding to create a just this team that is just floundering yeah like what what core difference i might be able to pick out and you know i'm not on jack's twitter i don't I don't know what they're doing on a daily basis, but it sounds like if Jack and Cloud9 are able to successfully complete a bunch of different rebuilds and or not be so set back from drastic changes that they make, it sounds like they understand their core values and their like um, their like core principles in the sense of they have an understanding of their own systems and trust that they're gonna like that they're gonna do their thing so they bring on people that they trust they have good infrastructure they have teams around to help them get at their goals if you have somebody who is in general pretty tyrannical wants everything their way they're not they're not going to use all these different tools at their disposal because they're going to think that they should be able to do and can do everything. Dude, Reginald has, TSM has multiple teams in many, many different esports. You are fucking insane if you think that you are going to be 
the the sole strategist for your League of Legends team to be so plugged into what's going on with the players, with the coaches, with the other regions, to know what to pipe down, at a certain point, motherfucker, hire somebody, fucking delegate. Now, here's where I would like to make a connection between League of Legends and Formula One, and this is what this podcast is all about, talking about the things that are consistent across successful entities we'll say all right last season 2021 there was an interview with the team principal of mclaren and they talked about the the separation of responsibilities and how mclaren best gets their things done and the principal from McLaren said, oh no, I let the technical guys handle the technical stuff. I let the marketing people handle the marketing stuff. I'm here for the drivers. I'm here for all my different teams. But he doesn't tell any of these people how to do their job because he's not an engineer. He's not a technical director. He's not a tire pumper. He's not a, a good fucking- boss. Yeah, exactly. So what I'm getting at is like, you, you have to understand that you don't know what you don't know and using tools and resources at your disposal will will increase your success exponentially whatever you know your zero number was but i would argue without having a lot of detail if a team is able to not crumble and iterate on different ideas and different teams they're likely doing something right yeah. They're likely setting up their systems properly so they can plug and play different things but not break the whole house of cards. Mm. That's my yeah. take on it. No, I think that's a good take because like I – and for for where TSM is, like there are, there are things that are still going well for them. Like I don't want to just be hating on them but it's been – it's tough like to see one of the the most prominent team i mean it's like it's the same as seeing clg at the bottom to me like though that's a historical nalcs like organization you I, I you have a little bit of like heart attached to them just from for me at least from purely having been around them for a decade now comparatively to to some of the other teams um and so seeing them where they're at right now um, is is just pretty pretty disappointing, I think. Um, and but they have their good aspects. I mean, even against Team Liquid, they were playing pretty decently in the early game and staying relatively even. There were some times where things I felt like could go uh, either way, and then it hit a point, and it was all Team Liquid for the last fifteen minutes of the game. Um, but like there there is some like there is some potential there and everything i just i'm always worried that especially with the young talent that it's just gonna not go well i mean how many how many talented players have we seen go to tsm and then get shipped off and and perform well afterwards we've seen it from Sven Skarin, we've seen it from Sven, we've seen it from like a, a number of other Broken Blade is now over in um I believe in the LEC playing pretty solidly. Like we have 
We have a number of different players that have gone through. Santorin is now one of the best jugglers in the LCS. Um, I, it's uh, there's something wrong, and I just don't. It it's just weird, and like seeing their team build up and make up of all these younger players, I'm just like, I don't know if I'm missing something or if like. I'm seeing it all, and it is just like what it is. So oh, yeah, you, yeah, it's it, it it just is what it is. Like, look at look at uh, an organization like T1. They've rebuilt so many times, but they stay. They they understand what what their what what their modus operandi is. They know how they're going to go about it. Like, yes, many times on new T1 rosters, they have a bunch of rookies that no one's ever heard of, but by halfway through the season, they're the only players you can talk about. And there is no way that's just the players. Like, the players don't win the game. It's all of the work that you do outside of the game that leads to to those, like, results. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. And I just it does not feel like these teams are doing the prep like and if you like if if you are paying attention to the map movements and what is going on in game and not watching for like entertainment value but like seeing what these teams are actually doing the ward coverage is abysmal the objective control is lazy the the rotations are slow the mechanics are late like i'm not seeing high level play from what should be the youngest freshest hands in the region yeah so there's obviously something going wrong in the practice and the prep where these young hotshot new rookies they can't shine if you don't know how you want to play as a team right or know how you should be playing as a team yeah well and i think that also um that that is compounded a little bit by the spring season and so i was watching a little bit of uh some ls uh co cast whatever they call it co-streaming um because he was uh it was a video that popped up him and i believe it was um cadrell i think talking about t1's draft and all um and they were looking at it and LS felt like, I believe it, I think they were playing Hanwha Life. Um, I would have to, yeah, they were playing Hanwha Life, and um, LS was under the impression after the draft that, like, he was like, I think that Hanwha Life had the better draft, that if they'd, like, go even until X point in the game, which, like, He's like, I think it's doable for one to go even until 15 minutes or whatever, third Drake or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, I think that they have the better composition to team fight around this Drake and to like then whatever it is, like go forward and and win the game from that point on. Um, but Cadrol was coming in and like discussing that. But one thing that LS said that like stuck in my brain was he kept talking about um, the the Kane jungle. Or, no, sorry, not the Kane. The Viego jungle. Mm-hmm. And say, he's like, I've, 
highly val- value Viego insurance is what you called it for competitive League of Legends and the fact like the resets, the healing, like all of those things that Viego gets with his ultimate, like as it progresses mm-hmm. further and further in the game, it's like I value Viego insurance super highly because competitive League of Legends is really messy right now. And so, mm-hmm. and this is talking about Korea and like from my perspective, the region that plays kind of the cleanest quote unquote, mm-hmm. like kind of games um, yeah. and everything, especially talking about T1 who did not have the Viego on their side, who, who plays extremely clean League of Legends and all. I was like, that's a weird thing to think about. Like, if this region that I consider to be just the most standard, macro-intensive, like, kind of clean play, Mm -hmm. uh, typically, as opposed to, like, the brawly fighting a lot and trying to get little advantages in little fights that turn into big advantages in big fights like you see in the LPL... um, I was like, that's a weird thing to think about that, like, competitive might just be really messy, that there's not really a standard way to, like, win or get advantages in game. Like, there there are ways to do that, but there's not maybe one best way to do it currently with the way the meta is, which I think is a good thing. Um, in general, I think it allows like for a lot of teams to to strategize differently and create some really uh, interesting games and matchups. But but I think that's also a component of that with these these young players and this early season with the changes from the off season, everything that's like the adaptation and all of that side of it too is is not easy even for top teams in the world potentially the word the word messy is interesting i want to agree but i'll say this we're gonna be like the tmg podcast where we just can't stop talking about jake paul i know it it's I didn't bring him. It was more about like what he was talking about. It wasn't sure. the fact that it was LS. If it was, if I was watching Riv talk or Atlas or whoever, it's sure. I would think the same thing or Dom or right. whatever. I, so, I would have the same perspective. So we'll leave the joke there, and I'll and I'll offer some actual analysis with the I. I should say this. I like the phrase Viego insurance especially if he's going to refer to the meta as messy he's right the the resets that you get the the ability to become another champion and gain their tool set is extremely impactful he's got mobility he's got crowd control i think overall he is a very strong champion and then in a world where you know, these skirmishes are these, like, 3v4s with a teleport coming in, a 3v3 where the support joins early. Like, all of these unpredictable moments, Aviego does really good in those skirmish scenarios mm-hmm. um, because of the way he can he can uh, uh, 
shroud himself the the resets are huge so from that perspective yeah i do i do value a viego a lot and to a certain degree i i do agree with ls i think there is an element of sloppiness going on um but this is why i was talking about the the vertical jungling and some of that kind of stuff because it's becoming more refined right like mm. as as we pull away from the the uh hextech drake update right like we're we're starting to see some of these teams really hone in on on what's right like we're seeing nuke duck squad over in eu like they're 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 winning games if you ask me that's a problem nuke duck winning games but it, it's obvious that there's a multitude of different strategies like we're seeing we're seeing pike get picked we're seeing all sorts of crazy stuff so sure i'm i overall agree with ls that yeah there's a lot of stuff going on a lot of strategies that are not as honed in and yeah you can you can get some wins that way i would agree Messi's fine definitely and it's like it's just the way that things are right now it's not like it's a good or a bad thing like i think right um things in in league of legends have often are given certain connotations and everything like uh like people for years and years and years called the lpl a bloodbath and like oh and, sure. and like uh fucking chaos whatever chaos gaming or well that's a team but oh yeah like uh, like oh chaos strategy that yeah like and all that stuff until they won worlds and then they were like they were like oh yeah then it matters exactly so there's a lot of like meme terms that you can throw yeah overall it's just what because like played and how it's being yeah so like messy yeah messy is not good or bad it's i mean honestly i think that can separate good teams in a, a more efficient manner than it does uh for other circumstances because it allows for teams i think uh when you're under a difficult circumstance um you're and you're working through like kind of messiness like Mm -hmm. you build strengths a lot more quickly because you're having to adapt and you can kind of separate oh the this team is like good because they like were able to react to X scenario and all. Um, and so looking at at LCK and um, that matchup with T1 and Hanwha Life, mm-hmm. even quote unquote like losing the draft or, or not maybe picking optimally uh, according to, to LS. Um, but on the other side, Kadrol uh, or I. I think it was Kadrol. I'm going to uh, say it, it was. was. Um, he he was on the side that T1 was going to win that game because he had certain aspects of it too. It was actually a really interesting uh, discussion going back and forth, but T1 uh, was able to go ahead and get the, the 2-0 clean sweep over Hanwha Life. Um, they looked really solid. Faker has really um, kind of co- like taken this ari pick and like really um popularized it again it feels really solid and clean when he's playing it in the mid lane and everything um he had picked it um 
in game two of that matchup and everything and looked really, really solid. He was able to dash around, get picks, and do all of the good RE things that uh, that you normally do. Um, and it's interesting because I feel like I, I have not seen that pick played much um, in other regions really at all. A lot of, like, you're seeing a lot of these other picks that are the similar standard when Ari is decent, the Oriana, the Rise, some Syndra, things mm-hmm. like that. But I feel like the the Ari is kind of coming back into play. And I like the champion. It's fun to watch. It's exciting because um, there are so many, like, um, potential plays that you can make with the the movement abilities and things like that so oh yeah having the dashes is huge um i know in north america i think we saw it i think we saw it once or twice over this weekend and i know it was in the band slot a decent bit um so i think teams are pretty like keen um the the other thing i wanted to mention was the hecarim that a bunch of these teams are picking up and what was i talking about last week with carsa on fucking hecarim man and so yeah it seems like uh it's it it seems like some of these teams are now looking across the pond and seeing what's going on because yeah we're starting to see some of these international picks crop up and yeah faker's making it look like a clinic on ari she's super exciting to watch yeah well and uh talking about carsa i the the LPL that I did watch uh, was I watched the LNG versus the V5 matchup Um, and all and they uh, I mean Carsa just he looked so good playing these kind of in I'll I'll call them like disruption champions in that matchup like the the Skarner being able to get the, the picks and everything in the early game um, he was using the Skarner to, to kind of disengage and like grab people off his carries later on in the game. The yes. Volibear being able to like hop in and just cause kind of mayhem with your ultimate and just charging in and just being a huge body in the middle of everything um, was really, really like solid. He just uh, he looked really good in that matchup and they they shut down Tarzan on um, on the Zinzao super heavily, which I, I find the Zinzao to be, uh, it, I mean, it's a really strong pick right now in the jungle. Yeah. It's one of the, the top ones. Um, but LNG did kind of have a little bit of the uh, the salty run back uh, in game two and, and took the L again. Uh, oh, man, they got 2-0. That's so tough. Yeah. Uh, they The only swap was they swapped out Lulu support for Nautilus uh, support. The Nautilus was banned in game one, and then the Lulu was banned in game two. Um, and so they they ran it back and uh, had the same same – ending uh to both games uh so v5 is looking extremely solid top of the table right now at nine and one nine and one yep so there's still a couple other teams up there i I mean lng is seven and three so after Mm -hmm. after that loss uh they they've only take they're still only three losses rng and edward gaming at eight and three uh, Weibo Gaming at nine and two, um, just a half a game back from 
V5. So um, still some really, really solid teams at the top of the table in the LPL. Uh, and it's it's going to be fun to watch uh, and see who ends up coming out into the um, – MSI. Well, ho- mm-hmm. Hopefully, if we're able to have it again, um, yeah. I would think at this point we're in the clear. But you never know um, to see which team is going to come out and and be playing at MSI. I think that whoever comes out of the LPL and um, at this point it looks like most likely T1 out of the LCK. I think that yeah. will be uh, very exciting to watch. Um, going into that that tournament, so yeah, a lot of, lot to look forward to, and yeah, we're seeing like we were talking about earlier, we're seeing a bunch of different play styles um, and some teams really kind of separating themselves at the at the top of the table here. So I think we'll have some pretty good storylines to talk about once we get closer to uh, MSI time. Yeah, um, and if there's any uh, anything that you all want us to talk about in the league of legends realm feel free to to post that in the comments and all we would love to to dive in onto some topics that might interest you and that maybe we have knowledge on maybe we don't and we have to like look into it and and do a little bit of research and figure it out but um but yeah if there's any league of legends things that y'all want to hear about see um let us know hit us up in the comments um but before we move along, did you have any other uh, league notes before we hop on over to Magic? No, I don't think so. Um, I think we hit all the like all the all the all the big points, and not too much uh, not too much Magic here. But the one thing one thing I did want to talk about was the awareness of like my own plays and thinking not always thinking that like ah oh, they had it anyway or oh, i'm not sure i would have been able to you know whatever because thinking about so i took game one and and that was all right but for game one i think the main takeaway is having some amount of board wipes like some amount of sweepers to get like just get rid of everybody's creatures um, it's super useful because a lot of times, like, that's what really clogs up a game. It's just, like, a bunch of random things just still on the board. Um, so, in game one, I had a one-sided board wipe where I was able to keep my two big things alive and then kill everything else. Um, so, that was a big advantage. That led, to, that led to the W. But what I really want to talk about is game two where... I was in a position, it was it was down to me and player, the player across from me, and I was in a situation where I was trying to swing and like swing out with all of my creatures and kill him there, because he would have been able to kill me on the crackback. I was taking a bunch of damage, casting my spell, so I really only had like one turn's worth of gas to try and push through. I'd taken out the other players and he was the last one. And I had, the big mistake was I moved to my combat phase without spending all of my mana. Mm. I had like, I probably had like seven or eight mana open and a, a number of tokens, they're called clue tokens. You can pay two mana to draw a card. 
So I had a bunch of mana open and like three cards worth of tokens on the battlefield. So what I should have done was spend all that mana, try and draw more cards because I was pumping my creatures with an enchantment called Jeskai Ascendancy where every time you cast a non-creature spell, your creatures get a plus one, plus one. So I was trying to like grow them by casting things and I missed out on an opportunity. I should have used all my mana. I should have drawn all my cards to see if there was like some instant speed thing or whatever that I could just pump them up like one or two more times and I would have had the damage to swing through. I was maybe a bit hasty, like, you know, everyone's packing up and whatever. But I think in those moments, I should really just slow down, look at my board and say like, oh yeah, I have some more things to do here. Yeah, well, in, in that case, like you can use, you can pop two mana and your tokens to get, because uh, it's what, two mana per card draw? Yep. So two, pop two mana, You if you have six mana on the field, like you can pull one card and like, hey, maybe if it's a four mana creature, you throw, slap another one down or like, uh, yeah. but you can do this one at a time, correct? You don't have yeah. to like, okay, so you don't have to be like, I'm paying six mana and drawing three cards. You can do like, I'm right. paying two, drawing one, up, I'm paying two, drawing one, and do it that way. Yeah, and it would have okay. just been nice like to find like a, like a little mana rock or just like a really cheap spell that pumps them, but allows me to like still draw another or whatever um that's yeah, shout out that's to good to catch that game, though too. yeah it's good to to like recognize those things i think it's a little i think it's something that i've heard you talk about multiple times in mm-hmm. terms of like rushing yourself i think it's like your mindset of like we're here to have fun. Like, I'm not trying to hold anyone up or like, like, like there have been multiple times where you've mentioned like, Oh, like I probably could have like thought through this a little bit more, be- but like people were trying to get out of here and this and that. And so I just did what I, so like, it's good that you're like, that you're picking up on that because then in future instances, I think you'll, it will come to your, like the forefront of your mind that you're like, right what's 30 extra seconds let me sure. take my time well, thinking that's this what it would be like 30 seconds yeah yeah because like in the grand scheme of things it's like i mean when i see people driving on the highway and acting like maniacs and everything and then i end up at the stoplight next to them i'm like what's the deal man <laughs> like right, like right. did that did did rushing all the way up and getting like one car ahead of me like save you that much time we're both at the same red light so uh, same kind of thing like yeah people are packing up getting ready but like 30 more seconds really gonna hurt if you if you hang on so uh, but very good observation i think maybe one more time i'll have to notice it and then it'll 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 become part of my like hey shut the fuck up i'm doing my thing well no it's but this time it it each time it has sounded slightly different. Like you are like the first time you're like, Oh, like I kind of, it was just, people were trying to go Ian had work, whatever. I, I was just rushing through to like play my cards and like, just put out everything all at once and whatever. This time you're like, well, it was not just like, Oh, I could have done something differently. It's like, this is what I could have done differently. Like there's a specific thing that you're pinpointing that you are like, oh, if I had taken a little more time, 
I could have done this and not just, oh, if I took more time, like there's probably something I could have done differently. And so, so like there's progression, there's, yeah, there's like progression on like seeing like what you could have done differently. And I think that is just progress in general on like what you're, you're seeing and uh, conceptualizing with the game and like with your your play and everything so it's definitely it's it's a big step in in the right direction everything so that's very cool whether you you, i mean i'm I'm guessing you didn't quite see it as uh, the same way so but that's that's a big difference from when i remember the first time you mentioning that kind of scenario to this one there's there's been a a shift in your perspective on it and all so interesting well, yeah, it's um, yeah. I I just think that's a crucial step of just like trying to trying to examine your mistakes, see if there's see if there's something better that you could do. But 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 I don't want to get too in the weeds about cardboard because overall I want to pick your brain about uh, the flavor of the week here All and right. uh, one one of the albums we were listening to because I have some thoughts and I would really love to know yours. Um, so if you don't mind, can we do the flavor of the week? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you want to go first, or, or me, or what are you thinking? Let uh, let me I'll let me start, and then we can tie in with the music. Cool. I'll I'll, I'll tie into yours, and we'll and so then you start with music, and I'll end with music. Sounds good. Because, um, right. well, go for, I, I was just gonna say I I really have not gotten to listen to it yet, so I want to hear your perspective. I know, I know, but I do want to hear your. Sp- thoughts and perspectives so i won't we'll, spoil anything uh, i spoil away <laughs> spoiler alert spoiler alert for the album um okay cool that that's fair then yeah. i'll then i'll run through it real quick so my visual medium and this is for for anybody wanting to get a sense of uh league of legends that is a modern league of legends samsung white versus samsung blue 2014 world's semifinals. i was talking to sarah about it and after the conversation i was like I don't know if I got all those details right. So I went back to like literally fact check myself and I ended up like watching the whole series and like really enjoying it. series. Dude, it was, it was sweet, but I, I actually found out like I misremembered a bunch of stuff. I was that, that best was of three? Five games. No, it was a best of five, but okay. one in three games and only the first two were competitive and white smashed them in the third game. It was over in like 12 minutes. <laughs> Dude, there is so there are so many things that I could talk about, but overall, if you want to see like like true true fast fingers, watch Imp during that whole series. The things he was flashing, like he was predict flashing so fast, but like still like in the fight, he wasn't flashing away, he was just flashing still being able to do damage like this was a really fun series to go back and rewatch. not like both from an analytical perspective to see like oh that's sick like oh oh that's how they found the oh he got the like that stuff is all really cool and then just from like just pure just fun you have the crowd yelling it, it's riv jat and deficio casting oh. it so like dude it's just knowledge after knowledge after knowledge They're yeah like, oh they love doing this so this is like it was just high level overall so that's great awesome series to go back and watch samsung white versus samsung blue my food classic chilean tortilla chips 
Sarah makes a banging chili. I just put it on the chips. I throw that bitch in the microwave. I love the way tortilla chips get that like wet, but they're they've still got a crunch. It's like very particular to the nacho, um, so I love that. But here's here's the coup de gras. Don de two from Kanye West came out recently, and I have some thoughts. Okay. These thoughts I'm gonna start with lyrics from another song i work so much my greatest fear is i'm a die alone diamonds in my chain yet that's a milestone who wrote those words for whatever reason i feel like the diamonds in my Work so much, my greatest fear is I'ma die alone. Work so much, uh, diamonds in my chain, yeah, that's a milestone. Hit it, I love it, it. That's Big Sean, right? No, it's Logic. Ah, shit. No. Under pressure. Yeah, yeah. Right. I should. I knew I recognized it, and I knew it was someone that I listened to back when, I, like, a lot more when I lived in Virginia, because I can remember jamming. To, I know exactly. Like, I remember specific places that i was like in my car (laughs) listening to that i was like (laughs) but they were both logic and big sean were both like at the same time i i listened to a lot of both of them (laughs) nice all right so under pressure he has that sample Mm. oh he said he didn't just rat he sampled it or did he hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on all right so logic in the song Under Pressure, he uses a sample from Easy E mm. called the the song's called Easy Does It, and right in the beginning of the song, he has a female vocalist saying, um, uh, "He once was a thug from around the way. He mm. once was a thug." And Under Pressure, Logic samples that to make the beat for the song. Mm. This is many many years ago. Okay. Where and and I think it's an original take. It's a great sample. It sounds really good. Now let's fast forward to 2022. Donda 2, Kanye West puts on this live performance, and one of the songs it's called "Easy" with the game. And guess what song he samples? "Easy Does It" by Easy E. Once was a thug from around the way, and it's the same fucking thing. It's the exact same idea of juxtaposing the words easy in the like the beat and then having the whole tone of the song be like, look how much struggle I've had to go through. Mm. It's the exact same juxtaposition. So why am I talking about logic, a sample, who the fuck is easy E, what's under pressure, who's Kanye West? All of this matters because up until Donda 2, I would have told you that Kanye West was the most original. Every time he drops an album, it blows my mind. It's like something I've never heard of. But when I heard that sample, I, I think I my heart was broken a little bit. Mm. Because somebody did that already, bro. And I know there's a, there's a culture of reuse and paying homage and let me... Let me spin this beat and do it my own. Fuck, I was talking about no ceilings with Lil Wayne and saying like, oh, I love how he like jumps. Oh, he like, but. Kanye, he's not paying homage to Logic. 
No, no, he's not. <laughs> exactly. He just thought yeah. he was creating something new and original, but he didn't at all. He didn't at all. I mean, so I... I it's, it, it's the same concept. Same... No, 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 no. I, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say, like... Yeah, go ahead. There is the potential for... It, it's, like, fucking fish evolved and fish have fins and then certain other amphibians evolved separately and they ended up with yeah. fins too like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's like there's the potential for two people to come to the same conclusion or the same thought process you've you, every one of us has told the same joke that someone else told first that we felt like we like it popped into our brain on our own but someone yeah, else yeah. has said it out there um I think the more surprising thing for me in this aspect is that Kanye didn't realize it, or no one in Kanye's like camp realized it. Or if they did, it. they didn't care. Yeah, worse. because it's not like Logic, some SoundCloud under underground rapper. Like he he was chart topping for a few years he's put out a lot of really good and po prominent and popular projects so mm -hmm. like that that does surprise me and is is a little disappointing and i'm not mad at who he i'll, I'll say it i'm not mad who he bit from i'm i was sad that here was here was a moment where an artist that has surprised me every other time, mm. it fell so flat because every other time he's given me something that I've never heard before. Oh, some and, of the samples on like the life of Pablo and right. things like that. I'm like, Insane. where did you even get this from? This is right. from a Christmas song from 1923, right. like that was on right. a phonograph. Like what the fuck? <laughs> That's the that's the level of outside the box that you come to expect from yeah. Kanye. So then you get to this, to these aren't my words. When you get to this phoned in like divorce, like a company album, it it really really like speaks to a like this is not his best project is what I'm trying to say. And I will, I will, I'll check it out, and I'm sure that I'll have similar opinions as you on it, um, especially with the amount of, like, logic, and, like, we've talked about logic for years. You were the one who put me on to him with Under Pressure and everything. Um, so I'm sure I'll have a similar aspect or thought process. That being said, there are plenty of... Uh, artists that have put out albums that have kind of flopped a little bit well, um sure, and, sure. and so so but it is surprising when it's kanye because even when he put out uh christ is lord or mm -hmm. or jesus is lord or whatever that the gospel album name yeah. is because i i'm blanking but like whether that genre of music is your style or you're gonna listen to it for me it's not i like kanye a lot as an artist i listen to a ton of his stuff the life of pablo is one of my favorite albums i'm pretty sure it was in my top 10 when we talked about our albums and so. 
Like, I, I love his music. That album was not my style. And, and, but it wasn't a flop. And, like, right. I, so I think, like, from seeing Kanye all these years and, like, a decade and a half or two decades, whatever now it is, of him making music and for, for this to be, like, the first album that I, that I'm it sounds like I'm going to be a little disappointed in um, is I think that's where it, it like surprises you. It's like in the grand scheme of things, it's like, Oh yeah, everyone fucks up. Like he was going through a lot. He's dealing, whatever the case may be. It's a flop either way. If, if that's what you end up looking at it as, Um, but it's just weird coming from him because I feel like he hasn't done it before. Yeah, and not not. I can't to, think of an album of his. That, yeah, I can't think of an album of his that people like listen to or like. Oh, that that's not it, man. <laughs> so yeah, it was so. uh, definitely like at first listen through. There was a lot of things that I really enjoyed, but there were there are just some like a bunch of just like meh moments yeah um i I'll should just... speak on one of the highlights the city i think it's called city of gods with fivio foreign and alicia keys mm. that is that's a fucking track like that's fucking really good so he does there are some really good things that he does on the album but there are some moments that feel phoned in or maybe just a little unaware that lead mm. to it feeling like just a bunch of Donda, like, cutting room floor. You know, like, they would have been on, like, the seaside of Donda. Yeah. And then, what a weird thing. Like, you made it so much about your mother and the love of that. Like, why name this Donda 2 when, like, it's all about Kim. It's yeah. It's all about Kim. It's, like, it feels disingenuous and, and whatever. So, overall, I don't think the strongest release from Kanye, although there are many, 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 many strong moments on the thing, it's just mm. not fucking Pablo. Yeah. Know? No. Like, I, fuck uh, him for not making another Pablo. Yeah, because I really like that album, and I'd love yeah. to have another one that I can jam to for months on end without, like, on repeat and not get tired of. There's well, not like too a, many albums that you come across that you can blast for that long and like not be sick of it. No, I agree. That was a banger. But like Jay Z said, he's like, you know, people want to listen to my old shit, buy my old albums. It's basically saying like I'm just gonna make new shit. But I've been I've been taking up this mic for way too long. Give me your flavor of the week, dude. Yeah, no worries. Um, I will be checking out Donda too this week just so I, I want to have some perspective. I, I just want to have some perspective on it and everything, whether I like it or not. We'll see. Um, but for my flavor of the week, my food um, down in Nashville, I got a hot chicken sandwich that is a, a popping thing down there. We found like a nice little uh, – not, it's not a nothing's a hole in the wall down there because everything is like super populated and all, but uh, yeah. kind of just like a more casual diner type vibe and got um, a Nashville hot chicken sandwich for lunch and it was awesome. I'm a big proponent of adding cheese to spicy chicken sandwiches, whether it's hot chicken, spicy chicken, whatever it is. 
I don't know. Maybe that's weird, but I do it at Chick-fil-A. I do it at Popeye's. I do it at fucking Wendy's. I do it wherever. So I got a nice slice of good old American cheese slapped on that thing. Um, and it was it was very good. Had a lot of good food down there. Uh, but that was the, the one standout for me. Um, for my music, I, I really enjoyed it. And it was like a... It was a kind of interesting thing thinking about uh, but I enjoyed all the country music I heard the song Tennessee Whiskey probably 18 times in a two day span which is is what it is like I would like to hear a little bit more variety what fucking Chris Stapleton song yeah (laughs) oh god that's so slow man yeah I heard it so many times but um, I love that I mean, like I said, I would like to have enjoyed more variety, but the different artists that we got to listen to and all down there, like in terms of the different like local bands and everything, like when you're in Nashville, every bar has live music all the time and all the bands are good. Like I was very impressed by the energy, the talent and like from all these just unknown people that are out there doing their thing and like trying to make it and having a black, like the, the bands that I enjoyed the most were the ones that like, cause everyone's good there, but there were bands that the, the singers or the guitarists or whatever, just had more energy, more interaction. Like we had Mm -hmm. one uh, bar we were at that, um, the lead singer, like, came around and was like taking requests in the crowd and everything and like yeah that's a money making thing too they're like asking for tips along with requesting a song whatever mm-hmm. but still they're like going around through the guy stopped at her table colleen asked for a couple different songs he's like hey just to be honest i've been playing a bunch of songs all morning that i don't know I didn't even realize that he was playing songs that he'd never played before and singing mm-hmm. along to him and everything he's like here's my wheelhouse like do you mind picking something from like this range and she's like oh right like we and we found something that was uh that was solid and all but um but like they're so talented like he was this guy was singing songs for we were there for oh half an hour listening to this guy sing and play songs and like he's like none of them basically he was like i've never sang that song before and Hmm. i would have never known um so it was yeah it was cool seeing like all these talented individuals and seeing like the differences like in terms of energy interaction different things like that um and like styles and all but also them all being like really really solid so that was uh, a lot of fun so that is my music for this week um and then my visual medium you've watched it i have now watched it uh I watched James Bond, No Time to Die. Um, nice. What'd you think? I really enjoyed it. Um, Colleen had her her moments of interjection as she's watching Luca on <laughs> on the airplane, and I'm watching James Bond um, because she looks over and goes. And I'm like intently watching, like I'm into it. James, I I really like the James Bond movies, so I, I very much enjoyed it. I liked that it had its differences from previous Bond movies, um, 
and everything. And I appreciated that as well with it being kind of a, a finale to this section of the James Bond movies. Um, but then I, but then I get my interjections that I'm like, I'm like watching, I got my earbuds in, I just hear from my left, just, he could be her granddad <laughs> talking about, uh, James Bond and the, the female protagonist in the movie. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, Dad, maybe not granddad, but like, stop right. it! I'm trying, I'm trying to pay attention, and uh, so I, I got a chuckle, but, uh, but no, overall the the movie I thought was really well done. I have noticed that over the years I've gotten better at picking up certain things that I like cinematically, and mm. the a lot of the. Um, Especially early on in the movie, a lot of the camera angles, or not angles, um, like the framing of things, Mm -hmm. I've noticed a lot more, and you would think I would have noticed it sooner in James Bond movies, because in the the intro, like, little scene it's always this little dot dodging around and framing different things you'd think i'd pick up on it before now but um some of the scenes where like they're in the uh like hotel room at the beginning in italy or wherever they are and he walks out on the balcony and it's just this framed like he it's like uh he's just like the perfect center everything's extremely symmetrical like all that it looked mm-hmm. so nice, and there are so many moments like that throughout the the film that are the way they're shot is just aesthetically pleasing. Along mm-hmm. with me, also just enjoying the uh, content of the film and sure. the style and everything. I like the the filmography or whatever you want to call it, cinematography. Um, of the film the and, and everything, the bibliography, the biblioteca, um, yeah. <laughs> it, it all really was, um, I enjoyed it a lot and like, I, I thought it was very well done, uh, to be Daniel Craig's, uh, final Bond movie. Um, so definitely, a, a, a thumbs up from me on this end for that. Very cool. Yeah, I do enjoy. I do enjoy a button, and uh, yeah, it's cool how they wrapped up that storyline, and now they can you know do whatever they want, and you know free up actors to do other projects and whatever. But yeah, I thought it was a, a, a just a cool end. I'm glad you enjoyed it too. Definitely. So that is my flavor of the week, um, and that brings us to the end of the episode. Um, but as Justin said at the beginning, um, interact with us. Reach out on Twitter. Uh, on YouTube, hit us up in our Discord. If you want to know, hit us up in YouTube. We'll send you the link. Um, But we appreciate everyone listening, uh, being a part of this and everything. So thank you all. Um, But Justin, I'll let you uh, wrap things up. I want to throw a couple things to the listeners here. We release new episodes every Thursday. Time varies, but every Thursday you get a new hot and fresh, tall and short of it. You can find us on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Leave us a comment. Tell us what you like. Give us your flavor of the week. But other than that, this has been a beautiful time talking. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Tall and Short of It podcast. Peace out. Later.
Bye.